Welcome to a special bonus edition of the Jesus Calling Podcast, featuring multiple guests who have appeared in their own episodes on the Jesus Calling Podcast, speaking to how they're overcoming worry and anxiety in their lives. Do not fear is one of the most oft-repeated phrases in the Bible. God knows that we as humans struggle with fear, worry, and anxiety, but He gives us many reasons to believe that He will guide us through the unknown and help us move past our fears. We hope these stories will encourage you and remind you that you are not alone and that a life plagued by anxiety and worry can be replaced with a life of assurance that things can ultimately work out for our good according to God's plan. We'll start with a thought from country music singer Sarah Evans. I feel like my life has been a roller coaster and just one drama-filled event after another. I've been through a lot, starting with when I was eight years old. I got hit by a car. I broke both my legs and both my arms. I was in the hospital for six weeks without getting out of the bed. I had something like seven surgeries on my legs. The car was going 75 miles an hour. Um, I think that was my first real dealing with something where I had to be resilient and I had to fight. I grew up going to church, but it was sort of this small little Christian church that had like maybe 20 people in it. I'm from middle of nowhere, Missouri, way out in the country, but I I grew up knowing about the Lord. I remember when I was 19 or 20, like going through a period of fear where I just had this irrational fear of like nuclear war or overpopulation or just all these things just were like flooding me. And I was traveling somewhere and I read a Gideon's Bible in the hotel room that I was in. And I was just like, I need something that will comfort me and help me to figure out how to not have fear in my life. And so I started reading the Bible. And then when I got home, I went and bought my own Bible. And so by the time I was 21, I think right right after I turned 21, I accepted Christ. You know, everybody has anxiety and they're struggling with it and fear and depression. And when you really go back to the very basics, like there's nothing to worry about because God is in control. There's nothing more comforting than having a relationship with Jesus. I was involved in a Bible study with my girlfriends in Birmingham. And I think we were doing the Jesus Calling Bible study. And I remember like, when it first happened and it was, everybody was talking about it. And I thought it was miraculous because it's like, I I mean, I believe it's inspired completely because every time you look at it on whatever day, when I go to it, it, it pertains to me. And then the Bible verses to go with it. It's just awesome. And it's really, really helped me through some like times when I'm having major anxiety, if I'm having a fear of flying and leaving my children, God's just so much smarter than we give Him credit for, and so much more than we give Him credit for. So, and I always look at, you know, how, how do I feel about my children? And there's nothing that I wouldn't forgive them for. Nothing. I love them no matter what, all the time. Sorry. All the time. So if I'm an imperfect, sinning human being, and I feel that way about my own children, and then you know, how much more perfect is God's love for me? Performer and high wire walker, Nick Walenda. 
My legacy, or the legacy I was handed, was just that. It was a history of amazing wire walkers who always pushed the limits um, and was raised by amazing Christian parents who brought me to church every single Sunday when we weren't traveling. And as we were traveling from city to city in our caravan, they would be playing whether it be Keith Green worship music or they'd be playing uh, creatures from around the country and I remember it was cassette tapes they'd put in the dash and uh, and just raised in this amazing industry that to be honest with you is more of a life to me than anything. My great-grandfather said it best because he said life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting and for our family being on the wire is life it's just what we do it's not an occupation it's not a career it's not an industry even it's just just our life because we've done it for so long it is it's in our DNA. We trained right here in my backyard of this residence for about two and a half months for an eight-person pyramid, four layers high. And our goal was to take it to a public setting and get up on a wire 28 feet above the ground and break this world record. We rehearsed one night, everything went well, which broke the world record, but we didn't do it in front of an audience, which was the goal. And then two days later, we were supposed to open and, and perform in front of a live audience. And that's when my, my biggest nightmare became a reality. And that's because that pyramid collapsed. And uh, five of my family members fell to the ground. Uh, by the grace of God, I got the wire and held on, as did uh, my cousin and one other gentleman stayed standing. But the other five uh, weren't so lucky and were injured very, very bad. My sister had broken every bone in her face, uh, was in a coma. They didn't know if she was going to survive. What I didn't realize during that accident was that there was a seed of fear, of negativity, of doubt planted in my head right when that accident happened and, and wouldn't acknowledge it. Went to New York City where we were gonna headline on a new show. And as we began to train, I began to experience something that I didn't realize was in my DNA, which is fear. And I uh, began trembling on the wire. It became so bad that I would, I would literally watch that pyramid collapse in front of me as I was holding a pyramid. Uh, because in my mind, I was dealing with a form of a version of PTSD, I guess. And it came to the point where after about a week to 10 days of practice, I went to my wife and said, I can't do this anymore. She said, look, I respect what you're saying and I will support you in whatever decision you make, but I think you need to rethink that decision because your life is about inspiring and encouraging people to overcome their greatest challenges. And I believe that we can use everything that happens to us to bring glory to God's name. And my sister, who shouldn't have lived her greatest walk of her career three times longer and almost three times higher than anything she'd ever walked, was her comeback walk after that accident that nearly took her life. And, and through that, again, we hope to inspire and encourage people. You know, I believe society is, is gripped by fear. I think much of society, at least, is gripped by fear. And, I relate that to a weed growing in your garden. If you don't pull the weed out, it'll sprout, take over your whole garden. Well, I just was watering that seed over and over again. And I think that's what so many people do is they continue to water that seed of doubt, a seed of negativity, that seed of I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I'm not gonna be able to make it through this and I'm not healthy enough. And people continue to water that. And I think that's what holds people back from their greatness and, and often holds people back from their calling, from what God has called them to do in life. I think a lot of people are fearful to step out in faith. A lot of people are fearful to be bold with their faith. And that is really my motto. I speak to churches and men's groups often and I, and I tell them, be bold. You know, the fact of the matter is that I know that I have a God who created the universe, who created the naysayers, who created the negative, the people that are negative or will say negative things about me, 
He created those people and he loves them even though they say those things. And it's up to me whether I decide to not like those people or, or love them and be an example and be Christ-like. And I would much rather go to heaven knowing that I was bold in who I was and what I believed uh, and that some people were upset and offended by that than those people not ever have the knowledge of who God really is and how much he really loves them. A lot of people, a lot of believers give up because that door gets closed and they say, well, God doesn't want me to go that direction. Well, I believe we have an enemy that closes that door so often because he doesn't want us to get to the other side because we are gonna fulfill God's calling and bring glory to God's name. So uh, I encourage people again with those words, never give up. I mean, that's, that's what it's about, you know, and facing their fears and facing what's holding them back from greatness. You know, when I go through a stressful time, no matter what it is, whether it's raising raising kids or, or an argument with my wife or or just life throws, you know, throws us lemons, I get in my truck often and I'll put on praise and worship music and just drive. And uh, and pretty much anywhere I go, and I, 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 it's funny, I learned this recently, actually while I was at church, it really dawned on me, but my whole life I've listened to worship music, my mom growing up, traveling, I mean, just hundreds if not, well, thousands of hours of worship music. And that music is always a, has a positive vibe to it. It's always, there's always positivity. And that's what's been spoke over my life. As I sing those songs, I don't even realize it, but I'm speaking life over myself. I'm speaking life over these situations that could take my life constantly, whether it be in a car or again, no matter what. So I have literally spent a lifetime speaking positivity and singing positivity and listening to positivity and feeding that into my mind. I think we have such an amazing, gracious God and he acknowledges that even to those who don't believe in him, his word still applies. His word cannot return void. Singer Allie Brooke. One of the highs of being in Fifth Harmony was being able to travel the world, to perform on so many stages, the biggest stages all over the world. That was incredible. And being able to meet so many amazing, kind-hearted, passionate, loving fans who really cared about us. And they would support us through thick and thin on every single thing we did. And to have that type of fan base was incredible. Being in the group also had its challenges for sure. You know, everything from feeling like my identity was lost to navigating the challenges that I faced in the group was very hard. It was one of the hardest things that I had to go through. So it was a balance of being super grateful and, and happy to be in this group, but also dealing with my own personal insecurities and obstacles. One of the lows of Fifth Harmony was that I saw the reality of how the music industry really works and it's not always kind, you know, because I was a woman and, and I was young and I was more of a people pleaser. I had a really hard time standing up for myself, but I will always be thankful for Fifth Harmony because it changed my life. So since uh, the group disbanded and since we have all gone on our solo journeys, it's been quite the ride. I started from scratch and fresh and through my music and through my art, I've tried to be as authentic and as much of myself as possible and stay true to myself. 
I feel like the alley in Fifth Harmony is so different than the alley that you see now. I struggled to feel like I could be myself in the group. So now, being on my own, I'm able to show people exactly who I am through everything that I've done, everything from music to TV, to my collaborations, to my social media, everything. I'm, I'm a completely different person. I've grown tremendously and I finally have come into my own and I am the woman now that I've always wanted to be. When I took a beating from this industry and being in Fifth Harmony and the real challenges that came my way afterwards too, God was right there to say, trust me and to say that I have a plan for you and that I'm here with you. You're not alone. We're going to get through this together. That was the most wonderful thing to be reminded, even in this really crazy industry, is that there's a God who loves me just the way I am. I am such a big fan of Jesus Calling and I, I use it just about every day. And it really does help to inspire me and to inspire my faith and to keep me grounded. I love the way that it is written. I can hear God's voice, you know, through the page and hear what He's trying to tell me. And sometimes I'll have days where I'm feeling great and confident in the Lord and I'm feeling happy and at peace and just being reminded of the Lord's words through Jesus Calling is so comforting to me. But also I'll have my days where maybe I'm going through something or I'm sad or I have a ton of anxiety or I have a ton of worry or doubt and Jesus Calling through that devotion I'm able to silence those thoughts and those worries and to help put them at ease. And it gives me so much hope and joy in my heart. And I'm just reminded like, okay, yes, I'm on the right track. Or yes, God, I'm so sorry that I was worrying. I needed to hear this word today. Psychotherapist Ryan Casey Waller. So when I was a pastor, I discovered that there was not only a great deal of stigma around issues of mental health and illness just in the culture, but specifically really strong stigma within the church. And I, for one, kind of was one of those people. I have suffered from depression and anxiety for most of my life, but did not avail myself to any kind of resources for treatment. I was in my early 30s when I began to have some serious panic attacks. And at that point, I, I finally went to see a therapist. And by the grace of God, working with that therapist and beginning to take medication, I experienced a, a tremendous amount of healing. And I became really passionate for advocating for Christians to try and understand mental health as health and not as some separate category that meant that there was some kind of unconfessed sin in their life or that there was a failing of faith or any of those types of things, but to really talk about this and to understand that suffering comes in all kinds of forms. And for some of us, that suffering comes in the mind. And that does not mean 
that there's something wrong with the way that we believe in God or that we don't trust God enough. It simply means that that's the form of suffering that our, our suffering is taken. And I believe that God has provided all kinds and all manner of healings for all sorts of different suffering. And for mental health, we have been given clinicians and medications and all kinds of treatments to deal with these issues. And so the longer I worked in the church and the more I saw the resistance to this and the more I understood how much healing that I had experienced, I decided to go and become a mental health professional myself because I thought, well, there's oftentimes the need for a bridge between these two communities that can be suspicious of one another, both from the psychological community and from the faith community of one another. And I was discovering that we had so much we could learn from one another and benefit from one another. And so I went and became a mental health professional myself. But as I was doing that near the end of my time in the church, I was so busy trying to get these things done that I myself began to suffer some deterioration in my own mental health because I wasn't taking care of myself. I was telling people, right, that this is what they needed to do, that this was okay, and yet I was running myself ragged. And so a couple of years back, I, I went through a, another serious depression. This time, instead of seeking out the help that I needed, I just masked it and I just kept going on. I kept earning the degree. I kept working a full time in the church. I wrote my first book. I was married. I one child and a second child came along and I just kept going. And instead of seeking the treatment that I needed, I began to mask my pain by abusing alcohol and was drinking suddenly much more than I had ever done so in the past. And inevitably what happened was I showed up one evening to do a service under the influence of alcohol. And um, people that loved me and cared for me kind of um, managed to, to get a hold of me about halfway through. And another priest took my place. And it was one of the most difficult nights and the days following of, of my life. But I can see it now as one of the best moments because it was that moment of deep embarrassment and shame that allowed me to see that I needed to push pause on everything and then I need to return to the basics and I need to go and get some serious treatment and to take time to understand that my own mental health had gotten in a bad place and I had to step back and so that's what I did and I went away and I got good treatment and and I returned and then and ultimately that led to my decision to resign from the church and to continue this path forward into being a mental health professional myself. And those of us who struggle with depression, anxiety, or any other kind of mental health conditions, you know, there are nearly two words that are more powerful than me too. When we can look in one another's eyes and say, I understand the pain, I've been there, me too. And I think in that, I hope that I can foster a conversation around mental health and that Christians can feel more liberated to speak up and raise their hand and say, I need help. And just understand that there are all kinds of help that they can go get that there's no shame and there's no weakness in asking for help. It's only strength. Does anyone who struggle with depression and anxiety like myself understands that when depression and anxiety hit, it can become very difficult to do the, the, even the most smallest of tasks that you would normally do to take care of yourself, brushing your teeth, getting out of bed, uh, calling a friend, returning an email, all of this can feel like climbing Mount Everest. And what I can tell you is when that happens, praying 
And feeling close to God is one of the last things on earth you want to do or feel capable of doing. In those moments, you feel deeply isolated and alone, even unto yourself. You feel as though your own mind has betrayed you. And from that place, it becomes very difficult, very difficult to feel like you're the beloved child of God. And so we cannot ignore these issues. And this is why we must take them so seriously, because to repress our pains, to repress our desires, to repress what's happening in our mind, ultimately, I think, disallows us from being open with God. And so I think that the abundant life that Jesus offers, the life that he wants us to enjoy, is one in which we are entering into the most healthiest versions of ourselves as possible. There's somebody who's listening to this and they're struggling today. What I want them to know is that their tomorrow can be very different than today. And that when I was at the lowest point in my own struggles with mental health, my mother, who also battles depression, she looked at me and she said, I know that the way you feel today is so bad that you're convinced that you're going to feel this way forever. But I'm here to tell you that you won't. And she said, but even if you can't believe that for yourself today, let me believe it for you. And all I can say to you if you're struggling today is that I chose to let my mom believe that for me. And I'm so glad that I did because she was right. I was so down that I couldn't envision a future for myself, so I allowed someone who loved me to envision that future, and it saw me through. God has a future for you. There are people who love you, and if you're in pain today, please tell them. Don't be ashamed. You'll be met with love, and you'll be guided toward healing. Singer Gloria Gaynor, whose iconic song, I Will Survive, has inspired millions. After I will survive, and I was thriving in my career, and my mother had passed away, and I, I kind of lost my compass and um, was trying to be in with the in crowd. I'd always been a wallflower. So I'm trying to, you know, live up to my sort of uh, the expectation of my audience, you know, and be this star and be among all the other stars and have all these friends and all of this. But it wasn't really who I am. And that started me on the path. I went, came back home and decided that I should go to church. And I went to church with my godmother a couple of times, was bored to tears, falling asleep. But one day, probably the third time that I went with her, someone was being accepted as a member of the church. And they said they wanted to join the church. They were coming from another church. And they asked them, did they believe in the death that Christ had lived and died for their sins and rose again? And they said yes, and they accepted them. And I thought, oh, you have to do that? You have to say that to join the church? I really, really did want to join, but I really have too much respect for God to stand up in church and lie. And, and I don't know anything about that. I, I always thought that Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. You know, and I was afraid to put him on the level with God. I'd always prayed to God. I never prayed to any Jesus. So I really didn't understand that. And I went back home and uh, I pulled out the Bible that, that uh, some girl in California had given me. I opened the book and it just fell open to the center. And in the center of the book, on one side of the page was a list of prophecies of the forthcoming Messiah. On the other side, there was a list of the scriptures as to how Christ had fulfilled those prophecies. 
And the one that struck me the hardest was Isaiah 7:14. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Those words hit me like a ton of bricks. I was so penitent in that moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And I, I repented. And I feel so privileged that the Holy Spirit walked me through that Bible. Every time I had the opportunity, I sat down every day when I was at home, sat down at my dining room table with that Bible and other books that I'd bought, and he just taught me foundations of the faith, about his love, his mercy, his grace, and has continued to show me who he is and how He is so faithful. It is incredible how he is always there for you. Well, you know, when God has a timetable and you run out ahead of God, you end up out there by yourself. And so I believe that the God, this is God's timing and his timing is always perfect. Hold on, stay on the path, keep the faith and know that he won't let go neuropsychologist and author, Michelle Bingston. What I've learned is that worry, fear, and anxiety are not our portion, but God's peace is. When I would start to struggle with worry, fear, or anxiety, it never came from my Heavenly Father. In fact, it comes from the enemy of our soul who feeds us lie upon lie upon lie. Worry, fear, and anxiety are really a misappropriation of our trust. We have a tendency to trust in people or our circumstances. And when we do, it's a slippery slope into worry, fear, or anxiety. While our genetics, our life experiences, role modeling within the home can all contribute to worry, fear, and anxiety, ultimately, it comes back to who we're trusting and what we're believing in. When we trust God, there is no reason for worry, fear, or anxiety. When we trust his promises, we can live in a place of peace. He's already given his children the weapons that we need to fight back against the giants of worry, fear, and anxiety and live in his peace. He's given his children power. And yet, it's up to us to appropriate it. One of the ways that he's given his children power is through our words. Scripture says that our words have the power to bring blessing or cursing, life or death. So we need to be very mindful of the words that we are thinking and the words that we are speaking. When we start speaking things like, I'm just worried that I won't have enough money in my bank account. That opens the door for worry, fear, and anxiety. When we will instead speak the truth, which is that God has promised to be our provider, then we can remain at a place of peace. He's also given us His power through His Word. 
The most powerful prayer that we can pray is praying God's word back to him. Many have asked me, how do I know if I'm praying God's will? You can know that you are praying God's will when you are praying his words back to him because he has already spoken them. So that's a prayer he delights in answering. Another way that he has given us power is through the name of Jesus Christ. Scripture says every name will bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Cancer is a name. Bankruptcy is a name. Prodigal children is a name. All those things that we tend to worry about are a name and they must bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that when we will pray in his name, that is a prayer that God longs to answer. So our first weapon against worry, fear, and anxiety is power. The second weapon is love. Scripture says God's perfect love casts out all fear. One of the ways that I understand and receive God's love is spending time in his word. But what I have found through decades of private practice working with patients is that so many people don't truly understand just how much God loves them. God says that his love for you is an everlasting love. He says that we don't understand the height and breadth and depth of his love, but that his love for us is a perfect love. It's unconditional. God doesn't love us because of what we do, but because we are his. And that right there is a reason not to go down that slippery slope into worry, fear, and anxiety, but instead live in the peace that God affords us. The third weapon that God gives us is a sound mind. That means so much to me as a neuropsychologist because I can tell you, we have somewhere between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. But God has cautioned us in his word to take captive every thought and bring it into obedience with Christ Jesus. We have the ability to do that because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. When we become a Christ follower, we are given the mind of Christ and we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to remind us of all truth. When we feel weak, we can refute it with scripture that says, but when I am weak, he is strong. When we are concerned that we may not have enough money in the bank account, we can stand on the promise that God promises to be our provider. So God has given us the weapons of power, love, and sound mind to fight back against the giants of worry, fear, and anxiety, and to exchange those for the peace of God that passes all understanding. You will never go wrong by spending time in God's word. The news, social media, what we read in newspapers and online is often an impetus for worry, fear, and anxiety. So much of what we read and we hear, we're not even sure if we can trust, but we know 
that we can trust God and what He has said in His Word 100% of the time. When my husband was diagnosed with cancer, we determined then that we only wanted to allow positive influences into our lives. So we turned off the evening news, we stopped getting the newspaper, and we decided that we were gonna spend time around people who would speak truth and light into our life. We can do the same thing regardless of what our circumstances are. The Bible says that if anyone lacks wisdom, all we have to do is ask God for it and He will lavish it upon us liberally. Looking to the news for wisdom is not the wisest idea, but looking to the God who created the universe for His wisdom will never steer us wrong. Here's a passage from Jesus Calling from February 15th that I hope will encourage you today. Come to me with all your weaknesses, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Rest in the comfort of my presence, remembering that nothing is impossible with me. Pry your mind away from your problems so you can focus your attention on me. Recall that I am able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Instead of trying to direct me to do this and that, seek to attune yourself to what I am already doing. When anxiety attempts to wedge its way into your thoughts, remind yourself that I am your shepherd. The bottom line is that I am taking care of you. Therefore, you needn't be afraid of anything. Rather than trying to maintain control over your life, abandon yourself to my will. Though this may feel frightening, even dangerous, the safest place is to be in my will. If you want to trade your worry, fear, and anxiety for God's peace today, be in His will, be in His will, and ask Him to replace that worry, fear, and anxiety with His everlasting peace. I promise you, He wants to do so. Pastor Darren Whitehead and worship leader Chris Tomlin. I had a, a friend um, many years ago, a man who walked with Jesus like few people that I'd ever met. His name was Ken. And uh, we worked together. And one day I was in his office and, um, and he said, um, you know, pray for me. I've got a situation going on with my family. He said, my daughter was at a party last night and she has not come home and we don't know where she is. I said, mate, you must be worried out of your mind. He said this, I'll never forget this. He said, I don't worry, I worship. You see, when he was tempted to uh, be thinking on that which was out of his control, he instead focused on the one who is in control. And he actually moved his worry to worship. Instead of being stuck in worry, he actually proactively lifted his eyes and started to worship the one who's in control. And I've never forgotten that. What I've found is that a lot of times what happens on the outside, as far as our posture of worship, really changes what goes on the inside. The, the light bulb comes on for people. And how many times, how many times after a concert or you've given this message, people come up and they say, 
for the first time in my life, I lifted my hands because I think they heard the scripture, they heard the power, the truth, what the scripture's been teaching. You know, when we make praising God uh, a lifestyle, He guides us in ways that we are aware of and ways that we are not aware of. I think about when I moved to the United States, I was working in radio and I came to the United States to work in radio. That's what I thought I was doing. And I uh, went to Melbourne, Australia to the American embassy and I lined up with a bunch of other hopeful immigrants to try to come to the United States to work at this radio station. And um, as I uh, applied for this particular visa, they worked on it and so forth. And then they ended up handing me a visa. And as I opened it up, I looked and I realized that they'd given me the wrong kind of visa. They actually gave me a visa that I wasn't even eligible for. They gave me a pastor's visa. And um, I'm thinking they've made an administrative error, but there's really nothing I can do about this. They've, they've given me a pastor's visa. I've never been a pastor before. I have no plans of ever <laughs> becoming a pastor. And yet uh, to go to America, now I've got to be a pastor. And so sometimes people ask me, uh, how did the Lord call you into the ministry? I say, the US government called me into this thing. And out of fear of deportation, I just keep preaching every single week. This is what I do. And uh, I know that it's a really serendipitous story of being called into the, the ministry of the word uh, at a church. But that's my story. That is actually how God has guided me. And little did I know that he was guiding me in ways that I knew of, in ways that I completely was unaware of, but that he had wired me and he had called me to, to work at a church in ministry as a pastor. And he guided me through the process of uh, the American government and the, uh, the, the embassy and the, the INS in allowing me to come to the US with a religious worker, a pastor's visa. Interestingly, uh, we planted our church six years ago, and uh, we were quite nervous when we were planting our church. Church planting is kind of a risk. You know, I have a wife and three daughters, and um, I'm not sure where this is going to work. And um, so we were, we were quite nervous. And my wife has been doing the daily devotions for Jesus Calling for, for many years. And what she would do, and you know, there's on the Jesus Calling book that she has, like, this one, she, there's space around the area and she was just kind of writing the details of what was happening on each of the days as she was reading it each day. Now, that was great. You know, she got through the first year, but what was fascinating is the next year, she was looking day by day on the things that had happened on each of the same days. And um, she would see that the things that we were praying for or the things that we were asking God for on one particular day was, was one thing. But then we're looking at a year later and seeing how dramatically things had changed the next year. And the specificity that she would feel from the words that came day by day in Jesus Calling was really quite remarkable. This is January 7th in Jesus Calling. This is the devotional for that day. It is impossible to praise or thank me too much. As it is written, I inhabit the praises of my people. Sometimes your adoration is a spontaneous overflow of joy in response to radiant beauty or rich blessings. At other times, your praise is more disciplined and measured, an act of your will. I dwell equally in both types of praise. Thankfulness also is a royal road to draw near me. A thankful heart has plenty of room for me. 
When you thank me for the many pleasures I provide, you affirm that I am God, from whom all blessings flow. When adversity strikes and you thank me anyway, your trust in my sovereignty is a showpiece in invisible realms. Fill up the spare moments of your life with praise and thanksgiving. Mm. This joyous discipline will help you live in the intimacy of my presence. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode of the Jesus Calling Podcast. Be sure and subscribe to the Jesus Calling Podcast so you can hear the full stories from each of these guests and also make sure you get these special bonus episodes each month. For more information on Jesus Calling and Sarah Young, please visit JesusCalling.com or visit us on our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.